you can be upset that you lost, but they were full of joy for their friend because they saw her never give up. They saw the determination that she had as an athlete and as a person to go through it. And the message she said, it goes, if I had two feet, I would have quit. But because I have one, I am not because people are looking to me and I need to inspire somebody. And she inspired all those people there. Survivor at Home, the podcast. We are here following Survivor 43. This is episode 10. Now this season, wow, it's flying by and I am here joining us again after a one week hiatus. Andrew, how are you today? Welcome back. I'm doing well. It's good to be back. I want to say big thanks last week to Cal and Scott, our first American guest on the show, filling in. Scott, I know you're listening. Thank you for your insight. Really cool to hear the stories of being live with Jesse at the watch party and meeting the queen herself. I would be a fanboy. Who would you guys, Jordan, uh, and I guess our guest will introduce, London Steve is here, of course. So who would you be excited to see in person if you could pick one or two Survivor Legends? Um, there are so many different Survivor Legends. I think there would be a lot of the people that I'd want to see would come from Winners at War. So someone like a Tony would be really cool to see. Um, a Boston Rob is, I think, a generic answer, but still... Uh, really cool. I think someone that would be interesting to hear from them and what they're just like is someone like Parvati in her strategy that she brought. But yeah, a lot of there's a couple of old school players that I'd like to to meet. I think for myself, I we were just talking beforehand that I really only started watching from 30 on. So I only know a handful of players. But one person that I would would like to meet, and it's just because I've been listening to his podcast quite a bit and watched him in the challenge is Tyson. Um, I thought you were gonna say Jordan and I um that you guys are pretty famous you guys do have a great podcast i'm glad you invited me he's never invited me to his but i think i would still like to meet him i think he's hilarious and it's just i would like to meet tyson i guess i would i like to meet tyson i think for me i would pick uh i really like ethan i've been following him he's a big soccer guy obviously his own personal journey mm-hmm. was really inspiring but to see him in the sports world i just learned recently he has He's connected with a charity. I don't know if he started it or he's just a part of it, but they they use sports and soccer in particular to do a lot of good in the world all around in different countries and seeing that. And then even seeing him at the World Cup right now, obviously he's American, but still pretty cool. So I, I would like to, to meet a guy like him as well. I know I was talking to Andrew about his charity event that he's having. Jordan, do you hear what they're doing for his charity event? I don't think I've heard it all the way through if he wants to share some details. It's, of course, an auction, and Tyson is auctioning off a legend Zoom call. So you can win a a time to be on Zoom with all these legends, like Boston Robbie said, Poverty, Tyson, and even Jeff. So Jeff? Yeah, he's there. And if we pool our money, the starting bid's $100,000. So I think we're very close. (laughs) If we pool all our Survivor at Home uh, funds, we can maybe win. 
That's like the proceeds from all our sponsors on one episode of the podcast. So it's fine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. That's chump change to us. Uh, <laughs> that would be amazing. hundred thousand though. But so just, I, I don't imagine Jeff does that very often though, hopping on. No, um, they mentioned that he doesn't do it a lot. That's why it's, I guess the price is so high, but he said he would do it because it's a charity event and it's all those great legends that you guys just mentioned. That would be amazing. Wow. I mean, we've even done for Survivor at Home a cameo from a former contestant at the start of each season. And that yeah. has been a highlight. You can see that on our website, survivoratthome.com. Go to the extra tab. You'll see the cameo videos posted there. Even those were incredible. And everyone seeing all of your reactions as you played and seeing that pop up was yeah. phenomenal. So I can't imagine even getting a chance to talk to them. Is there anything that's like itching at your brain as a Survivor fan that you would want to ask a panel like that? I think just more of that, I guess, that mental aspect. Like, what is the hardest thing? Is it uh, not not having food? Is it uh, being away from loved ones? If um, that's not your situation, what is the hardest thing? And I guess they all have gone back to play the game multiple times, but would they do it one more time and uh, why? Yeah, it'd be so interesting to get to ask some questions. I know my kind of outstanding question for Jeff Probst would be, is has there been advantage that's been out there that's unique that no one ever found? Or like, what's the history of people actually not finding the advantages out there or idols out there? Because um, obviously we see that they find them, you know, all the time. They, they have all these different advantages, but what's been out there that that no one did find or got missed or something like that? In terms of questions for players, I'd want to get down into like nitty gritty on decision-making relationship building how that's evolved from early days to previous if you have someone who's played multiple times um, how that evolves and changes and hear unique experiences from everyone for sure hey so speaking of survivor at home i have a very exciting announcement to make uh spoke with co-producer katie ironside this morning and we have confirmed the dates for survivor at home season five coming to you january 27th and 28th 2023 we hope that everyone listening in will be excited i've already had some early applications some new contestants and some former contestants already sending in their applications before the date was announced but we are very excited for this fifth season we've had extra time to plan it and it is going to be the best one we've ever seen so far so if you're listening and you've been a fan of the show uh, you're a fan of survivor and you want to get a taste of that experience we encourage you to go to survivor at home.com Check out the application page. I'll update that as soon as possible. But you can fill out the form, and it is a weekend you will not regret. So there you have it. Fantastic. Hot off the press, breaking news. Survivor at Home, the podcast, breaking news. So uh, to start off, we wanted to give a bit of a recap from last episode because last episode there was a lot going on. There were two separate votes. So just as a reminder, there were two groups. The first group that went to Tribal Council, one group was Carla, Noel, Sammy, James, and Owen. Uh, they were a group of five, and their vote went down. There were four votes against James, and James voted for Owen. But the So everyone voted for, for James in that group, except that Owen's vote was stolen by Noel, but she still cast that for James, uh, and then James voted for Owen. The other group was a little more straightforward. Everyone voted for Ryan. So that's Cody, Jesse, Cassidy, Gabler, all voted for Ryan. Ryan voted for Cassidy. That didn't matter. Ryan got voted out. One thing to note there, I think that's important, is that James and Carla were very, very closely aligned, and Carla ends up voting for James. 
uh, in that travel council. So I think that's a good note for us to get started on. And we head back to camp. The first group is back. So James has just been voted out. Sammy had told Carla at the last minute, which I think rough seemed to ruffle a, l- a few feathers uh, in that way because people thought Carla wasn't going to be in that plan. But Sammy, I think someone even called out. Sammy kind of went behind their backs to tell uh, to tell Carla. He's been doing that a lot. Is this potentially the start of people realizing what he's doing out there? Going with that, like in the episode, Owen went to Carla and said, I'm sorry, we had to do that. And she's like, oh, I knew. Sammy told me. Uh, so that's that whole kind of, wait, wait, wait. I thought Owen and Sammy were working together. How comes Owen's left out of this conversation? Like, hey, Owen, I'm going to go tell Carla just to make sure she's on board. We want to make sure it's a full all of us on James. But there's no communication between Owen and Sammy. And then also I realized, like, Noelle, she's starting to pick this up. Like, hey, we we got this. Why are you telling Carla? Like, that can blow up our game. And I know that maybe this is the first time that they're seeing it on the island. But as viewers, we're seeing it. And I talked to um, this very insightful uh, boy, young boy this week. And he's like, isn't Sammy playing both sides? It was a great conversation. I was talking to Andrew and I heard his son in the background and I put Andrew away and start talking to Gordy and Gordy was saying, I think Sammy's going to be gone because he's playing both sides. It was really good to hear that. And now seeing the camera, like Noel, like realizing, Hey, he is playing both sides. So Sammy, I think is starting to blow up his own game and people are starting to recognize it moving forward. Yeah. So just for some context, those that are listening, London, Steve is a faithful listener and player but also a caller and multiple times a week we'll call myself and i'm sure you jordan and anyone else you can you know get a hold of to talk survivor after the podcast the after after show and often my kids are in the background we're making dinner and as you said my son jumps in with his own take and said sammy probably is going to get voted out because he's playing both sides he's five years old he's got better takes than half of the guests we've had on so far so and me but whatever yeah (laughs) exactly but anyway that was pretty cool to see Uh, i i liked uh, a line here it's very human moment where carla she's already a bit flustered and cassidy then walks in or she doesn't see her but she calls out cassidy are you there and she said yeah she's okay good as she emerges from the dark and she realizes that it's ryan but just that moment of you know i i've lost the, the edge in this vote the numbers weren't in my favor, but okay, I, I see someone returning. You guys played in Survivor at home, and we'd often split up the, you know, in a tribe vote. You wouldn't know what's happening, and then they would pop back up on the screen, and you're quickly looking around, and who's and not there? Who's not there? Right, and just that who's little moment, just a part of the bigger picture of the show. But I always thought that was so interesting to watch when we produce the show, mm-hmm. uh, the the game that we run, and then to see it there. It's like, oh yeah, I, I totally understand that. You're looking in the dark for someone on your alliance and thankfully for Carla she still has Cassidy yeah still has someone to work with because uh Ryan and James both from the original uh blue tribe get voted out and they go from having four of them to now two with Cassidy being there and Ryan was kind of out on that group anyways not really we've talked about him a lot he had a whole episode uh about gone fishing earlier this season as well so he had that but yeah Ryan sent packing uh Ryan was trying to blindside Cassidy I she referenced that that wasn't the first time he tried to do that, um, but he he gets voted out almost kind of a finally uh, type thing. Ryan was great, really nice guy, seems really genuine, but had those moments, especially where he's out fishing for a couple of hours right before a vote where it just felt a little a little lost. 
because uh, last week jordan you brought up like yeah. hey ryan and cassidy are together why can't they grab a gabler and then go against uh jesse and, and cody that's what you guys were talking about last week but mm-hmm. if you look back the whole time cassidy and ryan have been butting heads the whole time that's when we had that famous acting career of Ryan's. Like, ah, it's me, it's me, but really trying to get Cassidy out. So it's showing that they didn't want to work together at all. So when you guys talked about it last week on the podcast, well, why can't they work together? Well, the whole 18 days beforehand, they've been going at it. So it was going to be one of one of them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's good to see Ryan go. I like him as a, as a person, but as a, you know, strategy player at this point of the game, you want to see people really who are conspiring against each other. I think that's maybe one of the flaws of the season is that everyone's so likable and a guy like Ryan kind of represents some of that, that you want, you want them to be gone. You want to see people butting heads. I want to see more, especially down to this final eight. I want to see people going for each other and digging in and actually a little bit of controversy happening. You're you're never going to have that with Ryan. Everyone could slander him to his face and he would laugh it off and, Go catch some of fish. Yeah, so. you want you want some conflict uh, in this season. We also get a confessional from Jesse, who's feeling like he's in a control spot. And here we go. We thought there was a secret out there, but apparently everyone knows about Carla's idol now. Mm-hmm. I'm not it? sure how did we get any insight into how they know, or they just they just know that she's got it. I think Jesse said it was mentioned that Carla was looking for beads. As as simple as that. Like, oh, mm-hmm. she's looking for beads. We have to assume she has an idol um but have you guys been tracking those very first confessionals in my mind i thought oh no jesse's gone because if you go back that episode james was talking about his first confessional like hey what does the social or social commitment is if you don't trust james you go home and then james has gone home and then ellie when she went home she's like i'm really good at this game and then she went home. So I thought Survivor was putting us up to say bye to Jesse this time, just because he had that first confessional. And he said, it feels great. I feel in a great place. I feel very safe. I was like, oh, no, like he's gone. Survivor, <laughs> Survivor's trying to trick you, London Steve. It did. It got It did. They well, got there's you. That, there's that next level of producing and writing. You know, this may not be the great greatest illustration, but when you play rock, paper, scissors against someone, there's kind of some patterns you can learn or predictability and survivor the show in general there are those moments where it's like oh it might be this person but it's like well obviously it's not going to be this person so they i think they actually do well to mix it up where you're right steve as we see jesse pop up early and then all through the episode like that conversation even near the end him and cody like are we really safe (laughs) normally you're like you think you're safe but uh oh here we go you're getting voted out and they they're kind of just throwing like a curveball in here to keep you on your toes. I think they got to do that more often because many weeks, I mean, you don't know for sure who's going, but it's the kind of the same script or the same formula of setting it up. And even in the challenges at times, you're like, Oh, I think you can tell this person's going to win. But I like that. They set us up with Jesse seeming like he was being arrogant or maybe a little, is he being arrogant, but actually himself a little bit, he wasn't and and he's fine. But no, the other thing though, that Jesse gives us, although Andrew, you're talking about, there's not, or I kind of put words in your mouth, but like we're talking about here, uh, there's not a lot of conflict within this group. Jesse still talks about there's distrust, people mm-hmm. hiding things. You know that they're hiding something, but you're not always sure what it is. Um, but there's a lot of distrust going on between between everyone out there. And that's, I think that's their version of conflict. So it's not 
it's not loud and they get into this a bit at tribal council as well which which we'll chat about um but yeah the distrust is there even if it's not conflict at this point mm-hmm. would you right now say that jesse's the front runner to win based on what we've seen yeah well he's doing what jordan always says he loves to see where someone lays out their plan and follows the plan now we saw this episode like a ocean's 11 version of that where they literally pop up the, the freeze frame <laughs> and the, the subtitle yes. of, the, the, of the strategy but i think for jesse to be able to articulate to be shown as saying this is what i want to do and then sit back and watch it happen and then it happens I think yeah. he's the front runner. Would think- you can, would you consider him the next Xander or a better Xander? Because in season forty one, Xander did the exact same thing to the camera. He said exactly what he was going to do. He did it, but then never got a single vote. What would be the difference be- between a Xander's game and a Jesse's game right now? That we've already seen people on camera talking about how Jesse is doing what he's doing, and we never we saw Xander talk about what he was doing but we never saw, we didn't see others talking about what Xander was doing. So he wasn't a threat. He wasn't targeted at any point. They've already set us up in this episode for Jesse to be targeted in the future. So I think people are recognizing what he's doing and um, well, they're recognizing him and Cody right now as what we saw from Gabler and uh, Carla recognizing that. So I think that's the difference is we're getting insight from others. They have visibility to what, jesse is doing so i don't think the xander comparison is that i think there's a comparison to someone um maybe even a you know a ricard or shan if we want to go from recent seasons because they were very much trying to control or in control the game uh to a degree and came out as front runners but eventually a front runner is a very dangerous spot to be in the current game of survivor because the last two winners were not front runners would you be upset if Jesse got there and didn't get a single vote? Just like I would oh, accept that would be based on what we see and how this is going. That would be a travesty. If he didn't even get a vote, I would expect him if he was there to win. I don't know that I expect him to be there because he can get, he has a, he has the idol that will help him a lot um, moving forward. Cause we're at low numbers, mm-hmm. but uh, it will be difficult to get there because he's going to become such, someone has to realize how much of a target he actually is and how, how many votes he can get if he explains everything that's going on mm. and they don't know about the idol that he kept it speaking of idols there's going to be a good tribal coming up soon i wish it had happened already but i'm glad in a way it hasn't because we are going to see a tribal for sure where at least two if not all three idols are going to get yeah. played back to back to back and that's going to be fantastic i'll ask this here live on the podcast i don't know if you guys know this top off the top of your head what is out there still in terms of extra votes and steal of votes is there anything left I think it's just the three idols because just, the snowboat yeah. and the power knowledge of power went out with James. Out. Yep. So it's, the, but the three idols plus an immunity, that means you could have a tribal coming up. There's seven left. You could have a tribal coming up where four people are safe. And if you, seven. if you bring it down to the final five, because that's the last time you can play the idols, right? Or is it six? You can have your favorite, uh, scenario happening all over again. <laughs> I don't say, I don't, I don't say I've, I don't say that that's my favorite scenario. It's just the moment. And we'll get into the moment, moment soon. Yes. Um, okay. So let's get into this reward challenge. Because my first thought is, as soon as Jeff Probst says it's a reward challenge, they haven't showed us, have they showed us a single reward only challenge? We, I think we had one that was reward and immunity uh, in the last, well, last episode was reward and immunity in the same challenge. But we haven't seen that much or very often or at all. 
So I'm kind of like, why are they showing us a reward challenge? But anyways, we'll go with it. And it is a good reward. The sanctuary stay overnight was a part of it. Uh, get some food out of it as well. It looked like a, it's a reward that it looked like I went, I, I could go on that reward challenge as someone who's sitting at home, eating my, eating my meals and getting my sleep in my own bed. I would be okay with that type of reward. So that's a good one. The dizzy walk, by the way, at the beginning, so they got to unspool this or spool this rope to pull a buoy back. And then they come out of that and crawl over a net. And the dizzy walk is, I, I was chuckling to myself. That's hilarious. Jesse just was standing on one leg, like the leaning tower of Pisa about to fall over. And you can see everyone. I think someone, maybe Owen attempted to do one, um, un, what we saw Marianne do last season where she undizzy, tried to undizzy herself <laughs> and spin the opposite way. I think someone tried that as well. The dizzy walk is always a highlight when they throw that in because it is hilarious. And um, they were still dizzy crawling across that net, but then headed up to the balance beam. It, they're still dizzy headed up there. But then let's get into the actual meat part of this challenge, which is you have to walk across a balance beam, grab a uh, untie a sandbag, I think it was, mm -hmm. and then continue walking across the balance beam, untie a couple knots, and then that allows you to chuck your sandbag onto a, a tall platform um and you see right away it's the balance beam is going to be a little bit difficult it changes level and everyone's still a little bit dizzy so it's going to be difficult but then it clearly is more difficult on one person alone which is noelle she's unable to on a small beam balance on her, her left leg which is her prosthetic leg um it's just clear that based on the the style of it and the size of the beam and a whole bunch of different factors. This is, it looks almost impossible to do. Um, and we're watching that and everyone else gets across the beam, gets through the, the knots and she's still attempting, attempting, but what we see, she's not even making progress. Um, she's unable to get past the, it goes uphill first and then goes down right after. And she's not really able to get over that peak in the, in the first one and is trying a couple of different strategies. Everyone else is chucking these sandbags, chucking these sandbags. Finally, she gets to the point where she's at the sandbag. She figures out this side shuffle, which I was wondering what was going to be her creative way of figuring this out, because there's definitely going to be a way that she can do it. It's going to be difficult, but what's going to be the creative way. And she figures out the side shuffle is a lot easier for her to balance gets across, gets to the sandbag, falls off, but it's untied. So she picks it up and now she's got to get across the beam a couple of attempts later. And you would think everyone else should be done this challenge by now. You're, it's a sandbag, the sandbag landing on the platform. There's a little bit of luck involved. We see Sammy sits and does the Tiger Woods golf ball on 16 at Augusta and falls off a second later. It never really stopped and sat. It just fell off at the uh, at the end and Carla it looked like she had it at one point but it fell off and a couple other good attempts I'm sure there were quite a few throughout the challenge and they're there for what seems to be three four five minutes throwing a sandbag up and down at this challenge and that's when I kind of started to realize oh here we go here's why we're seeing this because Noelle is making her way across the beam and there were at one point she said to herself I, I don't know if I can do this. I, I got to figure out a way how to do this. I think there was a little bleep in there and a couple of stars in one of the words as well. 
and it just looked impossible. You could see she was clearly in tears because she wanted to do it so bad. And just the obstacle is difficult beyond imagine in this context. Finally, she shuffles along. And as it, as the beam goes down, I'm doing these motions. Like everyone who's listening to this can watch me do these motions um, to explain how this is going, but she's downhill and one hops, one foot hops on her right all the way down the beam and somehow gets to the end, unties the knots and, two or three throws probably of the sandbag throws it up. It lands on the platform sticks there. Everyone is cheering her on. And I, for the second time in this challenge, she's, she's crying um, this time out of joy, the first time out of frustration and disappointment and just sheer wanting to do it. And this time there is actual tears of joy, happiness, accomplishment, inspiration she's not inspired everyone's inspired by her in what she did in that challenge it's un that was a very very special moment in survivor history uh, she throws in a, a an actual line which is my leg is sweating off how many times in survivor history have we heard the line my leg is sweating off i'm guessing that that's the first time uh, that that's happened but the tears multiple times what a special moment that was, I, I just ran through it for what, two minutes here in a row. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on that challenge and how it went for her? I did. I, I know I've, at the beginning of the year, I was not the biggest Noel fan, not saying that I don't think what she's doing is wonderful. I think it's inspiring. I think it's fantastic. I, my issue was just a social game. I didn't think it was up to par, but I can flat out say that during that challenge, like as it was going on, I can feel the waterworks coming. Like, I don't know what it is about sports. That's when I get really emotional, even through movies, like watching Rudy, I got the, I cried. Um, Invincible with Mark uh, Wahlberg football, I cried. Iron Will, I cried. So this is like the, the tears are coming up through this and they're real and you like, and we're just watching. And I don't know if you noticed, but they pan to Cody at the end and he's wiping his eyes mm. like it's not just her going through it it was everyone and when jeff said that this is one of the top moments of 43 seasons of survivor everyone there even though they didn't win they were a part of that great moment and they're going to be recognized for how they responded to that mm. like you can be upset that you lost but they were full of joy for their friend because they saw her never give up they saw the determination that she had as an athlete and as a person to go through it and the message she said it was if i had two feet i would have quit but because i have one i am not because people are looking to me and i need to inspire somebody and she she's, inspired all those people there and since her accident she's learned to fight yeah. And keep going. That was the other, that quote was, was awesome. Uh, quickly, you realize that's why they showed us this challenge. This moment is, is pinnacle of survivor in in storytelling. Um, you know, survivor is a game where you're trying to win a million dollars, but along the way, the adventure is what captivates people at times. And this adventure that Noel has been on um, and everyone has been on has been incredible. The other 
aspect of this challenge. You talk about them cheering her on. They were cheering her on during the challenge. Everyone mm -hmm. was throwing sandbags and you could hear, they played the audio of it. Them look, taking a quick glance, trying to win the challenge, take a quick glance back, encourage Noel, cheer her on. She, she can do this. They wanted it to succeed while they still want to win the challenge, but they wanted to succeed in it. And it's a group, group effort, group cheering her on. Uh, she ultimately has to do it and does it and makes it through. But their uh, their encouragement definitely doesn't just fall on deaf ears in that moment, even if she's focused in and blocking it out. Mm -hmm. um, it's still there and an aspect of it of of support for someone. Do you think um, that they showed this reward challenge for that reason, but also because it was getting towards the family let family letters, because they didn't let us know about it. Um, they haven't shown any other reward challenges at all. So is reward challenges still happening? And if they're not, do you think everyone would have realized this is the family letter? I want to win it because what I've learned from the two of you and Kel is you don't win a reward challenge. You, you want to be taken along with it. But if you know it's the family letters, then do you switch that and go for it? I was just wondering, like, what's your mentality going in if you don't know if it's uh, family letters and you're just getting the sanctuary? Because they wouldn't have seen that the family letters were at the sanctuary and they didn't show it in season 41. So what's your mindset? If you play it, I think this is a family one. Do you really go harder for it? So that was my thought did, going in. Did Jeff not mention that the letters were involved? No, because I wrote it down because I actually wrote down that Oh, this is the okay. first time in the new era that he said, you're going to get the family letters. However, when I watched it the second time, he didn't say that. He let them know after Noel won. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Oh, and okay. you can see, see by mean. the reaction that it hit them like a wave. Like, oh, I, wow. I see what you mean. Okay. I see what you mean. So they didn't know his family before they started the challenge. Okay. Um, so in answer to, did they show this reward challenge for the, for Noel's triumph or for family? My answer is yes. <laughs> they showed it for both um, because clearly I would assume that family letters were a part. Oh no, we did see family stuff. We saw the family videos in the last season. Um, so we have seen family stuff before in the new seasons, uh, in the new version of Survivor. Um, I think if the family letters weren't in this episode, and that whole challenge wasn't in this episode, would we really be missing anything? And I think no. the answer would be no. Yeah, so I, I don't think case, so. I, they, case, they might cut it out. Yeah, that's to your earlier, we were talking, I think, off air, but are there things that they don't show that idols or advantages that never get found? I'm sure there have been challenges where it's just not that interesting or not that relevant or maybe a, a small reward that does, I'm sure that's happened where that we don't actually get to see it or it's in bonus footage. But I so think, you, I think a loved ones visit or that, or these yeah. letters. There, There is a confessional in this episode from Cassidy where she talks about, you know, these rewards are getting good and she used plural very okay. deliberately. Mm -hmm. And the only other reward we saw was uh, the split one last uh last episode where you had a reward plus going to tribal or a couple episodes ago where you had the reward um and immunity mixed into one um that's the only reward challenge we've seen um yeah in the in the merge part of the uh season so i think i think they showed this episode because of the reward challenge moment rather than the family moment
Yeah, it was planned. I, 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 so all that we just said about Noel was absolutely incredible and inspiring. I think there is a negative for me to this moment in that we're not seeing the loved ones come out. I don't understand why this was filmed back in the spring. This was, yeah. So I, I don't uh, know why you don't have the letters. Is it's great. It matters a lot to those players, but for for effect of seeing them come out, I know some people. I think of uh, Stephen here down at Big Guys Coffee Shop. We always talk Survivor. He hates the loved ones visit. He thinks it's cheesy and staged, and I think he's an idiot because it's clearly an emotional <laughs> moment. They come around the corner, and they're that emotion is coming out, and it's mm-hmm. inspiring. They get to then play, and they do have to then, as you brought up, Steve. They got to wrestle with, do I want to be the one that wins this and then have to be the one that says no to you, Jordan? You can't bring your loved one. You can't, oh, London, Steve, you, I'm not going to pick you. Like, that's where there's weight. Whereas this, a letter to me seems a notch or two down. Yeah, the comfort, yeah, yeah the food. But I didn't like, I don't like it. Bring back the real it, family. It does make me wonder what were COVID travel rules in Fiji in 20, in spring of 2022? I don't um, care. Bring the family out. <laughs> I, I would love to see the families out there. I agree with you that it, there are so many great moments. I'm sure there's stage moments as well, but there's so many great moments on family visits. I just, I just don't know. I'm, I'm confident or not confident. I'm pretty sure that the players have to quarantine when they get had to quarantine when they got there before even playing. So they spent, that was part of the reason why I don't know if it's part of the reason, but it played into why they, um, switched it from 37, 39 days to 26 days was that's 13 days of a 14 day quarantine um, factors hey, in as well. I'm just saying, if you guys want to fly me out as your loved one and I get to quarantine in Fiji for 14 days and sit on a beach and then come meet Jeff Probst and see survivor one of you two competing oh. on the real show. I'm in. I'm with you. The loved ones visit is, is way better. And that's assuming um, you'd pick me, of course. Yeah, we'll see about that when when I get out there. <laughs> um, okay, so then we get into the interesting dynamic of winning a reward challenge. And, and Steve, you hinted at this. You got to choose who joins you. And that's not always an easy choice. There's so many factors at play. Who do you choose and why do you choose them? Are you choosing your alliance members? Are you choosing people? Oftentimes we see, for example, one of these picks is because quote, this person hasn't eaten in a while, um, uh, hasn't seen a reward uh, this season, really. Um, so how do you choose what you do? And I don't know if there's a right answer, uh, but I think it you, you just got to go with your gut or go with, uh, you know, educated decision-making. Um, and Noelle chooses Sammy to join her first, then chooses Jesse to join her second, and then the third person being Owen. Owen, the one she makes a comment about, Owen really hasn't eaten much um, at all recently and chooses Owen to be the third. Um, it's such a tricky thing in Survivor, picking people to join you on a reward. Um, there, I think it would be a stressful part, which is where the conversation comes in. Is it better to win reward or just get taken along with it? Because then you don't really get the the negative effects of it if you just get taken along. But you're not guaranteed to go if you don't win the reward challenge either. I thought Noelle did a, a, a great job. I know, once again, I said, I don't think she's playing strategically. Last episode and this episode, I thought she really did when she took Sammy first. And later on the episode, she said, I took him because he's a wild card. Mm-hmm. And I'm not too sure what he's going to do if he's not with me. So I need to keep him close to mm-hmm. sort of keep him corralled so he doesn't 
flip-flop because we know he flip-flops and if he's not here he's talking about one of us so i thought to be that that mindset right away like i'll bring sammy but there's there is a real reason why uh yeah. so it's almost like spoiler alert noel goes home but her strategic play is coming along uh, nicely and i think she's improved and has proved me wrong in my opinions of her from the beginning of the season mm-hmm. so yeah. it's just difficult like jesse we see jesse was on the beach with her but they were always going at each other um with taking jesse took out her number one and as we see took out her second number one and her third number one then why did noel bring jesse so like he must be playing her really well and just that they she must think they have a good bond um, but i thought she did a good job in picking people with those two it sounds like you're saying keep your friends close and your enemies closer yeah right separate, and separate be... jesse and cody right that's yeah what can do separate with... separate the key from the lock um so on the reward we get to see some letters from home is the biggest highlight here yeah there's food and and some hammocks uh, and some comfort and whatnot, but the letters from home um, are are everything for these players at this point. Uh, and they get to hear, we get to hear from them a few insights. Uh, so one, Jesse from his family, this was a touching, this was an interestingly touching moment. Um, hearing from his family, his wife and his kids, the last time his wife and him had to communicate by letter, he was in a, a juvenile hall uh, and that's how they communicated. Um, and talking about their bond and partnership um, and marriage where decision, like obviously talking every day, but decision-making together and he's got to venture out on his own in his, in his, um, in this adventure um, was really cool. And then obviously the letters from his kids, just um, wanting him to be home, but also knowing what he's doing is, is important uh, to him and the family um, and just seeing him. What did he, what did he call it? Ugly cry. Uh, he referred to that in travel council, um, seeing him ugly cry, uh, just reading some letters from his family. And then the other one was Owen, uh, and talking about getting, we learned a couple weeks ago, uh, about Owen being adopted. He, he loves his family, but still, uh, being adopted into a different culture, uh, plays its own roles in, in his history. And it just leads us to this moment where, uh, he talks about seeing his dad, write Love you in his own handwriting. And he goes, I don't recall a time where I've seen that. Um, uh, the words have been exchanged, I'm sure, uh, in person and over text, but to see that in handwriting is, it just hit, hits Owen differently in the moment, which, um, was a really touching one, uh, from that. I had a comment about Jesse there with the bouncing things. He's the kind of guy that seems to like to collaborate. Obviously he's, it's his wife, but that's his personality too. The way he does bounce things. He said, every decision we make. It's together. And so he is that kind of person that would be so hard to then get out on the Island and not be able to collaborate or bounce things off. It's probably why he's drawn so close to someone like Cody and had someone by their side. Cause not everyone is like that. So I know some people who are just so good at making decisions just by processing, going for a walk, get it sorted out in their head. Whereas others really do need to bounce it off. And, and, and that's his style. So just an interesting that Cody is his, it's- I guess his island wife, it was maybe Dwight before, and that didn't last long. But just interesting, those pre- like what you come in with as your personality, that's going to affect, you're going to need that, or it's going to at least be a part of your game as well. 
Yeah, that's a good point because his default is to work with others and he plays it off a lot as making them feel comfortable or giving them, um, uh, what was the word he used? Give them power um, or agency. Agency, yeah. yeah. Agency, giving giving others agency in the game. But also it that's just been the way he operates. He mm-hmm. wants to work with others and make sure they're all on the same page and come to a come to a solution together as well. There are times where he has a, a plan that he wants executed, but we've seen him have a plan that he wants go to Cody. Cody wants something different. Okay, let's work together to make that happen this time. He He's one of the best I can think of at doing that because a lot of players talk about that. Oh, you know, you don't want to just be domineering and then they are domineering or they say, yeah. oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to try and get their opinion too. But then ultimately they still push hard enough and get their way in the end. And the people roll their eyes and go fine. You can sure. You know, but he really is collaborative to the point where he uh, not only hears what other people has to say, but actually helps them think of it as if it's their own idea. That's like yeah. a sign of, a, is it a double-edged sword? Like it's a good leader and a dangerous leader, right? If you can <laughs> convince people that that's their thought, Inception style, right? That yeah. they, they've come up with it or that they are owners of it, just like as he's talking to Gabler later on, like, hey, this is like, you're going to really benefit from this move. And he's, and he's accurate. He's right in that analysis so again to your earlier question about is jesse setting himself up here uh for a good finale london steve i think he is i think he's these kind of moments are showing that he he's not just manipulating people he's not just collaborating he's actually inviting people into to to share their opinion and then to make them feel as though they are the ones collaborating in making the decisions even though he's coming in as we've seen in this episode with these step three step plans it's it's impressive to see. I was listening to, well, I listened to the very first like 15 minutes of a podcast and said, no, I can't listen to the rest of it because I'm coming on here. But Tyson had Devin on from Healers, Hustlers, and... Heroes. Healer, the Healers, Heroes. The Heroes, Hustlers, that one. Healers, he yeah. was saying that, ben, of course, Ben won that, but... Mm-hmm. Devin was up against him in the fire making challenge. And he said, I lost before we even started uh, because Ben was just so emotionally charged that he had something in him emotionally uh, through that whole season. He talked about how his wife saved him when he got back from the war. He was so emotionally uh, attached to them. So being away from them, he drew on that emotion and Mm -hmm you can sort of see Jesse having that same effect. He's, he's has this emotion inside him and he's drawing from it and getting this letter, reading the letters in his, his kid's penmanship um, is just emotionally charging him more to set him up. And he even said it later on, I have a more emotional commitment to the people back home than I do to have these emotional settings that I have here. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do think he's. Um, this is going to help him keep going, and I think he is prepared emotionally for this journey and to keep moving forward. So this was very good for him. Mm-hmm. No, what does Noel? She gets her letter to. Uh, I don't think there's anything too profound. There wasn't uh, too much. The, no the profound from her. Praying for calm weather. I think her. Yeah. Her mom was saying, and then. Um, who was the last one there? Who Sammy. am I forgetting? Sammy, like again, not too much happening. But Sammy no. then is the quickest to pivot from the letters to the actual Just... strategizing, and he's saying, "I've been thinking, uh, guys, I don't know if I'm going to break off anymore." Which 
Again, you build a reputation on a game and it's like, okay, Sammy, sure. But he's saying, I think he seems serious enough that I don't want to just be a flipper. I want to do something. But then right away we see Noel saying, I I know Sammy's a flipper. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> uh, if it's going to work it's... out, but they have this, it's an interesting conversation. They're starting to put together a plan there. Owen, Jesse, Noel saying, maybe we can go back, have a 3-3 split between Cassidy and Carla, even throwing around the idea of, of a final five with them and, um, uh, Gabler and Cody as well. So uh, Sammy, not necessarily a part of that decision. As no, much, I didn't see him there. No, but he might have been off swimming. wherever he was. Yeah, swimming or fishing like Ryan. But <laughs> I didn't mean to make that type of reference, but just like he was clearly not involved in that conversation. So we go back at camp and right away, Cody's like, well, we're otherwise we're not going to talk. So let's talk strategy uh, here. And everyone was looking at Sammy. They notice he's scrambling a lot. Um and Cassidy also brings up that she doesn't really have trust with uh, Noel or Owen. Um, and then the only other highlight I got from the back at camp group was that Gabler has positioned himself where both sides want to vote with him, but no one's really talking about him. And that's true. That's an interesting position to put yourself in where you're in the middle, but you're not a target by anybody. Right. Which, but is that though? That's the age old question. Is he there because he's not seen as getting any votes? Well, uh, we've, we've accused Gabler before of, just being where he is not of his own fruition, but just because happenstance and then, and then claiming that that's what he planned out. So it wouldn't be the first time that we're, we're questioning him again. Did you hear Cody's introduction to the three? He goes, I haven't spent much time with you, you with yous. Um, But then he was just able to use his background and get so much information from them so quickly. Like Mm -hmm. if he hasn't talked to them often and just in that little bit, his personality was able to get so much information from people he hasn't been around with much. Like he learned that um, Carla doesn't trust Sammy. He might've known that, but now she's actually said it. Uh, Cassidy says, I don't have trust with Noel and Owen. Like he's gaining information quickly, even though the show has not shown us that he's had put in the effort to have these relationships, but his personality, his, uh, sales person comes out and gets information when needed. So- but in all that, they all know he is aligned with Jesse and no one mentions Jesse good or bad. So yeah. they're withholding that information. They don't want to say anything about Jesse to him because they know that he's aligned with him. So if they had anything, he didn't get everything out of them. He got enough. He did get quite a bit. He did get quite a bit. I think another significant thing we're seeing here is Cassidy. And I don't know about you, like, is this another, is this an er- another Marianne? Is this another Erica? The slow yeah. burn winner's edit, right? Because she gets then some airtime. Mm-hmm. Again, remember back to the start, she was the player that we said, who is she again? Who, there's always one or two that we don't even know their name. Yeah, just because they get cast. so little airtime. I never like to look, by the way, on social media. I know some people track confessionals by episode and by season. I don't like to look at it because I don't want any kind of outside influence of I like to be brought along the way the producers want, but it is true. There are players that don't get much like we saw with Erica and Marianne to some extent. Cassidy to me is maybe in that category where she's now shown as saying, Hey, there's a silver lining here. And then she talks about this whole um, idea of getting out Noel. She talks to Cody, a pretty significant conversation. And then she has another confessional, just dissecting what is going on around Mm -hmm. her. So much shifting. She said, that's where she said the bigger rewards that are taking place. 
you know, that are those bring people together. And and then I got to keep my alliance intact. And then except for Gabler, because he's kind of hard to read. And then and then they're talking to Gabler. And I, as I'm watching all this, I'm like, is this just another repeat from the last two seasons, which I'm fine with. But it seems like she might be headed that way. What do you think about Cassidy and her uh, and her increased airtime? I, it's interesting with the with the slow burn. I'm just looking at this season and going right now, the candidates that I'd put ahead of her in, in this episode include, I'd put Carla ahead of her as of right now. I think I put Sammy ahead of her as of right now. I definitely put Jesse and Cody ahead of her right now. That's, that's four of seven. So unless all four of those people get voted out in succession, the rest of the way, one of them has to make the final. And so she's got either a lot of work to do to beat one of those four or somehow gets all of them out. And then you're still left with, who does that leave? Gabler and Owen. Yeah. Does someone in her position then have to to prove herself? Does she have to do a big move like get out Carla, say, next episode? Turn on someone that you're known to have been with the whole time. Is that what she would have to do to get enough credit in the end? Would it be Carla or would it be more someone like... No, Carla like, specifically, because she they've worked together. The, all, they're very clearly a pair as well. So yeah. as opposed to her and Carla trying to wrangle something together where you kind of share... We've talked about this a few episodes ago where like there's a, a pie, right? You have and pieces of the pie that you can claim as being your own moves. And there's some debate over certain pieces. But if you cut out Carla there and it's known that you spearheaded that, then any other moves that you guys had together, you can kind of claim as your own. I I just, that, I think so, if she's flying low under the radar as she's done, and now she's trying to gain some momentum, I don't think you can get enough votes in the end if you're there side by side, or or at least even got that way near the end with Carla being by your side. I just think, is there a bigger fish to fry than Carla out there? Because if you get out your, you know, they're, work, whoa, they're working as a pair, and um, you get you get rid of the person that you're working closest with when there are others who might be bigger threats. Is that the right move to do that? It, or is that just making a big move for the sake of making a big move, but actually cutting yourself out at the knees um, in that situation? Someone who I would say needs to, at some point, get rid of their pair, I would say Cody needs to get rid of his pair. Because if he's sitting beside Jesse, Jesse will... Oh, Jesse might not outspeak him in a final tribal, but I think Jesse can beat Cody um, pretty straightforward if they're sitting beside each other. So I think if there's anyone in a pair that needs to get rid of their partner, it's actually someone like Cody, mm-hmm. not someone like Cassidy. Although I do agree with you that it would be better for her to not be beside Carla in the final three. I just don't think that should be her number one priority on getting someone out at this point. If we go back to season 41, Danny and Deshaun, uh, kept on saying Erica is a huge threat. Erica is a huge threat, but we never saw anything with Erica. The only thing we saw her is she smashed the hourglass. And then, and I know I kept on yelling at the TV, why is she a huge threat? They haven't shown us anything that she's a huge threat. And now I wrote down, you want a 3 3 vote for Carla and Cassidy? Because you think they're the strongest, at, they're the biggest strategic threats out there? What evidence do we have except Ryan who said, I want to get her out. That's our only evidence is Ryan tried to get her out the whole time. 
But other than that, we've seen nothing from Cassidy. And because even James was leading the charge, that's how they portrayed it anyway. Yeah. But on J- did you hear that on James's exit interview, he said that he viewed Carla and Cassidy as co-ones, which I thought was... In terms also. of his alliance? Yeah. He talk- he, they were side by side. He goes, I didn't have a one-two. They were both ones to me. Hmm. They always showed James and Carla, but they never showed James, James Cassidy, Cassidy. But he dealt, he felt that way. So like, we're not getting the full picture again. Yeah, we want to set this up as Cassidy to win. So um, this is a controversial take, but I I would be disappointed if it feels similar and nothing is too different, and Cassidy wins again. Carla to me is playing a stronger. Like I think she's been shown as making some big moves, even like physically hurting her hand, but her willingness to get in there. But if Cassidy is to win the season with this kind of edit again for a third season in a row, I think that's on production. I think that's that's this decision to have a slow burn winner and just go with that. I think it. I think I get the idea for building intensity, but let's be honest. Anyone listening right now, did you think Erica was going to win that finale? No, no, no. No one listening is thinking that. Did you think Marianne was going to win? Uh, you know, with Mike there, we maybe. have the vote. We have the vote on video that I did not think she was going to win there. Yeah, maybe, like maybe, but probably not, right? And so, Romeo should have won that. Uh, uh, nothing, nothing against can, Romeo if you're listening, we but can, uh, uh, we no, he shouldn't have. But you know what I mean, right? So <laughs> there's there's these decisions that production makes. Generally, they get it right through Survivor, but I think the last two seasons were unfortunate for that reason not any i'm not no disrespect no discredit to those two winners at all but this is my honest reaction of like oh i don't know if they were supposed to like that didn't seem like the right choice and you never want the majority of your fans or, well i don't know if you're listening if you agree with me but i think a lot of people i've talked to said yeah that's i didn't see that coming i didn't know if i felt it in my gut of the celebration of them winning um and so i don't know if it's if cassidy's going to be the same story where they've intentionally not shown us things that she's actually done that are important all the way through. That's man. Like I would be really disappointed if that's how it played out again. And going with your scenario as well, that would not just be the third straight winner. That'd be the third straight young woman to win under that, under a similar situation of feeling under uh, edited in a season. Now this is a hypothetical situation because we are, in the final eight in this episode, and we go into the final seven and have a Wait, couple Jordan, more just weeks. a pause. Are you saying you, you're not in favor of a woman winning again? Is that what I did you not, were quoted no, as no, saying? No, no. no I did Steve, not. is that what you heard from? I, caught, I think he said he's fine with an older lady winning, but not a younger woman. Lady. Okay. <laughs> so a certain demographic in wow. his mind that he approves of can can win the season. Okay. What? Keep rolling, Jordan. Oh, okay. I guess My he needs Heather to come getting... back. Like, we need, because <laughs> now this can just get clipped and then all the fans are going to be raging out. No. <laughs> to clarify if i wasn't clear in what i said is that if we go through the situation where cassidy is winning and we feel that she's under edited that's the third time in a row that a young woman is winning and there's a gen- general feeling from the audience of her being under edited when we know the um percentage of winners on the woman's side is lower to begin with it's more men that win survivor uh, than women 
And so to see three in a row, but also feel that all three could be under edited, this is hypothetical because we still got episodes before Cassidy gets to that point. If she is ultimately going to be the winner and she could very well be voted out next episode. And then this is a moot conversation at that point anyways. Um, but it just, it would be a very, inter- it'd be a very interesting topic moving forward in Survivor. So we're saying that Erica and Marianne and potentially Cassidy are holding sniper right or like silencers and Tony had a missile launcher. That's how they won. Well, but that's how Tony played as well. In, in fairness to the difference, yeah. the, 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 the three of them do play with silencers and make their subtle moves along the way. Tony just is like a storm and tornado that rips through everything anyway. So that there's context involved there speaking of moving on in survivor uh next up is the immunity challenge um and it is one we've seen before they're building a house of cards i don't remember the cards ever sounding like they're made of metal and clinking and clanking all the way down as they collapse but uh but they have to balance it's like a clay it's a clay isn't it or that kind of uh oh yeah sure pottery kind of uh, anyway i don't know pottery i don't know they were just they were loud and uh hilarious Um, to watch though oh the montage of like every other second showing someone else dropping and getting a little bit frustrated and and they did they fall in different directions and there's different things that lead to it yeah there was probably what a 15 20 second montage on just everyone falling and losing out um jeff probst gives us the caveat that you know this is a race by nature we know that but there's also just a massive learning curve and figuring out how to correctly balance this What's the best way to build? What direction do you put them in? Laughing through the montage. And then eventually we get to everyone's getting their stack pretty high. Cassidy's in the lead. She looks like she's almost got it, but it's too short. And so she pulls off a little bit of a different strategy, which is to lay them flat down, which seems inefficient. I feel like she could have just built it up and and used four more tiles in one. Um, But she decided to use seven or eight tiles, which took longer. But ultimately, I think in her mind, she went safe, you got to be safer here, especially because beside her, Carla drops again. Um, others drop again. Ultimately, Cassie, Cassidy does win. Now, one thing, I don't want to start a survivor controversy here, but there were multiple angles that they showed us. As someone who watches sports heavily and sees video replay all the time, my eyes were watching this. There were multiple angles that they showed. Her stack was very, very close with that line. And there was one angle that mm-hmm. looked to be behind Jeff Probst's head that it looked like her stack was not tall enough at yeah. that angle. Others looked tall enough. I there said the same angles, thing to Steph. But there was one that looked not that not tall enough. Now, we aren't getting, you know, we aren't going to the video room in Toronto to study this uh study this challenge win. Jeff Probst calls it and that's the way it goes and Cassidy gets to go to the final seven, but it just and she could have fixed if he said no, he she could have fixed it again and and made it taller and all would have been fine. But there was an angle that looked like it was not above that line. I agree fully. I said the same thing to Steph. I don't know. We weren't there, but that there seems like a flaw in that because it is almost an eyeball. It has to be. Unless you, like, there is a situation in that challenge where you just build it tall enough that it's clearly above mm-hmm. it. But the th- the fine line that Cassidy was using based on her strategy made it a little bit, uh, questionable is not the word, it it didn't it not every angle was conclusive yes. from just a tv viewer's perspective that being said jeff Probst has a ton of practice in calling these challenges and he already had told her no it's not tall enough earlier in the challenge 
So I'm assuming he studied that pretty hard to be able to, to make that call that it was tall enough. Do you think that Jeff is talking out of turn during these challenges and reward challenges and all that? No. Um, what do you mean? It. What do you mean out of turn? I, I wrote two, two things about it. One was for the reward challenge back when Noel won saying that this is the greatest moment and one of the greatest moments. Him saying that out loud to all the other contestants makes in my mind, if this is one of the greatest moments, I definitely don't want to sit beside her. So maybe his comments are influencing what people are thinking. No, I don't mind that one. Okay. It's, it's so obvious how, how special yeah. that was. It was yeah. special, but in your mind, everyone now talks about we can't sit beside her, we can't sit beside her. Maybe they didn't think that. I was thinking that you shouldn't sit beside her a long time ago, but he's now saying that this is one of the greatest things. We did that okay? So then later in this episode, Gabler talks about how um, he has to think about voting out Noel because of how inspirational she's been to him. Did Jeff Probst saying saying that in that challenge about it being one of the greatest moments no, change Gabler's no. mind to try and vote her out? No, not at all. It's all like all season long he said that she's a hero to me. No, that that I don't mind this yeah. one. I've said before yeah. certain things he says, but anyway, what's your second one, Steve? And even for this one. Like Cassidy's building it, the the tower, and Jeff's calling out. Maybe she just needs one more. Like I know he's trying to build anticipation, but who knows when she was going to put one vertical? She started doing the horizontal, right? And then just saying, "Oh, maybe she just needs one." But maybe Cassidy wasn't going to put that one to reach it, and started still kept laying it more down, more down, more times, um, and it falls. But just that. I think she's one vertical away. Yeah, in that in that one, I kind of thought Jeff was saying what I was thinking. I was like, "Oh, is she there now? Is she? Does she have it now? Could could she put it vertical now?" She's just like building up, you know, half an inch at a time with each of these tiles. I think he's just saying what everyone's, what he's, what See? he's thinking. You're not wrong though, Steve. I I so, Katie, my sister texted me, uh, is Jeff Probe stealing? from me now because we've run the Jenga challenge in Survivor at home. Very similar, stacking Jenga blocks end on end. It sounds simple, but it's very intense in the moment. And we've had some, even London, Steve and I have argued about different variations and was the blocks off the ground anyway. But when you have these kind of challenges happening and say someone loses track, right? So we say in ours, you have to have 10 stacked to win. What if someone loses track and then I'm counting and I say, oh, you know, uh, Lynette has one more to go. And she's like, oh, thanks, Andrew. I didn't realize, I actually forgot I, I was, was at done. nine. I thought I was done, right? Or or I thought I had two more to go. So you're not wrong in saying that Yeah, might technically be unfair by the book of throwing that in. But I think that's just kind of the, I think that's just kind of the, the element of, of the competition. You're going to have a few yeah. of those variables that. Just because as I progress from season 30 on, his dialogue has increased and he's talking more, Big more, str more strategy during games. And um, is it coming to a point that it's aiding uh, the players? That's just my question. I it, you can be like, Steve, you're an idiot. No way. Um, but that's uh, it's starting to come more and more. It's come up a few better. times on the podcast for sure. The comments, positive yeah. or negative, that he's made. I think last <laughs> season, or he said like this is the worst performance I've ever seen as well on the other side. So yeah, and he he was just as big a fan as Heather and of Heather and challenges as you were, Andrew. <laughs> Poor Heather. I actually like just to make 
this clear if you didn't know i actually think she's great and that was all just for fun but uh yeah we we like to razz heather and her underperforming in those and the shows. audience the audience all says no we didn't know no no that's right <laughs> you think i'm a jerk i understand that's fine but yeah jeff does have to be careful i mean i think i've heard of someone else podcast talk even because it's uh there's money on the line like if you interfere with the the process of being able to fairly earn money, like could people have a case to say, Hey, you like swayed that unfairly and take someone to court, but they also sign off a bunch of stuff too, that would guard him. There's, you gotta have some room in there for just all of those little elements. But I, I do think he has to be thoughtful, like to not overly suggest, but even in tribal, as you said, we're seeing very direct questions at times, very obvious things that, are going on and he just kind of brings it out in the open so but yeah. i think for tribal he has those questions already in mind that he wants to go he's very good at going with the flow of the conversation but he knows what he wants to get out yeah. but during challenges that's just on the fly like i said jordan maybe he's just saying what we're all thinking um but i think his role he might need to yeah take it back a step but on the flip side as a viewer at home, it's entertaining to hear because if not, there's no chatter going on. So I think he does a good job in filling the void. We, just, of that. we need Rob and Sandra wow. up in the in the press box calling calling the challenges. Oh man, them them when they were up in the press box for Island of the Idols calling the uh, tribal calling the tribal councils like, oh look, Dean, he's flexing now with all his muscles, got to show him off. Stuff like that was so funny. I think it's a, actually a fair kind of conversation to bring up about the challenges, um, in that in the influencing of the player's thought process, any little thing we know in survivor survivor can be very finicky and any little thing can set a totally different course of action of what's going to come up next in regards to the questions at tribal, the players can choose what they want to share and what they don't want to share. And he's not going to share any information that isn't already fully known by everyone, Mm -hmm. but he will ask questions leading. And if you choose to avoid a question or to, draw up some sort of comparison to heart surgery or whatever you got to do uh in your in your answers then that's your choice to do that um but the comments i get what you mean in the in the comments in some of these challenges on um i personally am not bothered by it but i can see how how someone would be bothered by it Mm -hmm. i'm on my couch it doesn't bother me but if i'm if i'm standing right next to the person who now has more knowledge of how to complete something Mm-hmm. And I'm still struggling so far behind, I might have a problem. Yeah. But I think you make a good point. But he you also can t- just you can pointed take it out, out Jeff. That, he also just pointed out that Cassidy's strategy was different and unique than anyone else has ever done in that challenge. Do you think right? now with the, the microphones that they can hear it? Like or is Jeff's voice just really for oh, us? Oh, I think he's yelling and screaming everything. I think they can they they can hear him. Are they so focused in that it gets blocked out most of the time i personally do think that's the case that in that moment cassidy is jeff's voice is like the wind going by like she's not paying attention to it at all but they can hear what he's saying he's yelling and screaming and you can tell usually when there's a voiceover um that he's done i think it was james this past one is like thanks jeff or something like they talk to them and all that so yeah Mm -hmm. wendell's done that before as well um in uh in season 40 he did that a couple times the thanks jeff so, so some people will respond to his comments and others, I think just completely block it out and, and do their thing and, and are so focused in that they're not even responding because it's not registering for them. Uh, Cassidy goes to the final seven. She's got immunity 
another new winner. Carlo won immunity. Cody's won immunity. Gabler's won immunity. Cassidy's won immunity. Who am I missing? Owen. Owen won immunity. Thank you. Um, there, so a whole group of them have won individual immunity. We go into pre-tribal and there are really a couple of focuses in, in this pre-tribal time. The first is Noel um, uh, wants the numbers to be split three and three. We knew this already, but we're getting it reaffirmed three and three between Cass, uh, Cassidy and Carla, but that's not going to happen now. They need a new target. Um, so Gabler actually mentions that people are targeting her um, and to maybe go for Sammy and Carla and turn the vote that way. But really we get the Jesse lesson here. Um, Jesse's starting to realize, although Noel gave him the reward, she's been really good. And him and Cody have to talk about taking her out. Uh, and at this point in this situation, that's a sign of respect. If someone's got to take you out like this, but, uh, but it still sucks to make a move like that on someone who you genuinely want to play with and, and be there with, but we get into Jesse's it's his checklist on blindsiding someone blindside checklist blindside. Jesse's two, blindside three. Check- yep. So step one, have a cover story. You know that Noel is going to ask why he hasn't really been talking to her, why he spent so much time with Cody. Well, cover story, easy, ready to go. He was giving Cody his idol back. Oh, you were the one who had it. Cool. Good. Cody gets his idol back. Cover story, covered. Checklist item number one. Took us a little bit to get to checklist item number two, but throw, find a fall guy, throw him under the bus. Um, he throws Sammy under the bus by telling Noel that Sammy is the one willing to take a shot at her. So in that, letting her know that her name's out there, which has already been told to her. She does know that, but Sammy has brought it up. Um, and then he goes and tell while he throws Sammy under the bus, then goes and tells Carla what his actual plan is, which is to vote out Noel. Um, even though people seem to be going to for Carla in this one step three, Get your backup plan. And his backup plan is who? Gabler. Gabler. Get Gabler to join in on this blind side. Really interesting moment where he says to Gabler, hey, you in on this? And Gabler says, I got to think on this and starts envisioning himself. And you get that mixed with um, Jesse's confessional where I think London Steve, you talked about it earlier in his confessional um, or Andrew did. We, we all did. Talking about getting Gabler feeling like he's in that power position for this vote right? And he's explaining that to Gabler. Gabler's thinking about it. Ultimately, Gabler agrees, and that's how to blindside somebody. And he's got, Jesse's got it all set up. Gabler takes more time to think about it. And this was interesting from Gabler. This shows you, we've talked about like the ups and downs of Gabler and the smarts that he has, even though he comes off as a bit of a, a wild card or someone who goes spur of the moment, he can come off like that, but he's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing and he's very cunning. Um, even though you don't always get that as a first impression, he's concerned about Jesse and Cody and he's sharing that with, um, with Carla because they're, you know, they seem to be running the show. All of a sudden you look back and they're not making these huge moves, but what did they want to happen? They want Noel out. Noel's going out. What have they wanted to happen in the past? It's all going down to what they want and they're kind of controlling the game. But in that, you start to think, are they going to try and vote out Jesse or Cody? We never get a path on how they would do that if they tried to do it. 
it's just kind of left as like open in the air. I thought that was really interesting. I think Gabler showed a lot of smarts in this episode. Also, like going even back to before the the challenge. Um, and this is something, once again, Kel and Jordan, you have said, you're trying to teach Andrew when he gets on that you don't throw a name out before the challenge is even started. Like, because they approached Gabler at the well mm-hmm. and Gabler is, was, let's see who's going to win. Like they're trying to get him to say Cassidy, go with Cassidy or not. They're trying to say, go with Noel. Sorry. Cassidy's trying to get him to say Noel. But he's like, no, let's just see who's going to win. And this is exactly from uh, the Jordan and Kells handbook, How to Play Survivor. Don't talk names before challenges happen because things get messed up. So for him to have that understanding, I thought was very interesting. And he also goes, I have options. Like we talk about how Jesse has all these different groups. So does Gabler. They're not as in your face as Jesse, but Gabler has Jesse and Cody. He also has Owen and Noel from their, I guess, Owen from his original tribe and even Sammy technically, because they work really well together. And he goes, options are really big in this game. He has them. And what you just talked about, how he talked with Carla, you're seeing that he's trying to now gain trust with Carla to talk about Cody and Jesse. Nothing happened this episode. But he's planting seeds, and we know mm-hmm. that planting a seed takes time. Um, so he's very straightforward. We criticize him sometimes, but this episode, he did a lot of that thinking that we haven't seen before. Um, and we just look at, apparently, his poopy pants that he wears all the time. Um, but he's showing. His pants look like they got poop. Him, Owen, and Sandy, they got the same wardrobe, and it's just a dirty mustard yellow. But, <laughs> Um, but he's showing that he is smart and he is thinking things through and he is a player in this that he's not just being taken that because his name's not being out there he is thinking and he has uh different groups to go back to so yeah i agree with all that but i still think he made a mistake i still think the right move for him this episode would have been to turn against cody and jesse and split those two up and be the one that actually spearheads that he At this point of the game, you have to be able to own a big piece of the pie. You have to be able to get to that finale and say, I orchestrated something massive here. And it wasn't just a third string with Cody and Jesse to get out someone who I really respected. And she was a hero and all that. But that's not going to get you any votes. So I I, I hear what you're saying. He is smart. He's not an an idiot. He he knows what he's doing. But I don't think he made a risky enough move for his finale. I think time is important because he mentioned that Cody came to him close to actually going to tribal council. So if sure. he's getting the information 15, 10 minutes from tribal council, he only has that time to spark that. And we all know really that last conversation, I say like I've been to the island. We all know that last conversation is the one you need, but I don't think he had enough time to really get to Carla and try to get everyone going up against them how timing is also important in your conversations um trying to have that last conversation i don't think he had time to do it but i think it's planting that seed for next week that they might go after him now i also want to pick at that a little bit andrew you think it was more worth it to go after those guys rather than go after noelle here where she's got this 
huge story. She's also, everyone sees the momentum she keeps getting herself. They pointed out three or four times in this episode, every time you take away what you think is a power of Noel, she comes back and is stronger the next time around. Sure. I, I Noel's amazing. And if you're beside her at the end, you're probably going to lose. Yep. But you're also for sure going to lose if you don't have a testimony of doing big moves. Marianne said that last season. It's not just getting to the end. This is a very simple thought, but you have to be able to show, you have to be able to distinguish yourself from other people. And even being a part of a big move versus being one of the players that actually goes to bat and fights. Like what he did with Ellie earlier, that whole scenario was he can he can take credit for that. And that was a big thing he can point to. But he's got to have another one late game. It might he might be able to pull it off. All I'm saying is well, you gotta look at you gotta look at the road ahead and say there's really not much left in this game. And maybe this is the time where you gotta just go for the fence and swing. And if I get caught and I get out because of it, then fine. Or if Noel does ride to the end because of me. But I think like Noel's such an obvious one to to then pitch further on. Whereas to make a big move to for you to spin it in those even last 15 minutes to say. Guys, let's get Jesse or Cody out here. Like, that's a huge play. I think you could swing some votes and pull that off. I'm just saying you have more to your name because of that. So going back to last season, Omar made a big move. The whole move gained Drea out. Who went out next? Omar, didn't he? Omar went out. I know. Okay. Then Marianne did her big move to get Omar out. But mm-hmm. the timing of the big move is so important. Yeah. I don't think with eight people left, that big um, rocket launcher move is the time for it it's still that silencer type of move and right now will it be easier to do with less people in the game i don't know i i, I you have to get one if you go for someone like cody or jesse in this vote you got to get five people no next time around you got to get four no I'll, I'll agree to disagree i think i think if i if i were there if i was gabler in this episode i would have gone heavy on cody or jesse and made it my move Okay. Just my thoughts. Yeah. I think that becomes a bit too, personally, I think that becomes a bit too big and you, you put yourself, you open yourself up for too much trouble for the moment when you're getting out someone who's already a threat and you can go back to that. Well on Cody and Jesse. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Uh Like I I don't, I mean, but like, I wouldn't be surprised now if he gets to the finale and doesn't get a vote against him. This is what I'm talking about. That to me is What's the point? Interesting. You're you're out there. You're giving up so much to be on the show, and you're there to win. Give me the money, baby. Don't, right? don't be Romeo. Don't <laughs> be Romeo here. Exactly. But it's not just Romeo. It happens every season. There's players that just want to play a bit safe. All I'm saying is, at some point, probably two points, you have to be someone that people think of when they think, wow, that was a big moment in the season, mm-hmm. as well as the social game. And we saw that with Lynette in our season. Like That matters, too, a lot, relationally. But Anyway, I'm just saying he should have done yeah. it. That's my take. Um, let's move into tribal here. So the first thing is Jeff opens up asking about Noel and her moment in the reward challenge. And she talks about, you know, I'm trying to reach that kid who maybe has a disability or can't complete something. Keep going. That's what I want to do. I want to inspire someone uh, to keep, keep going, keep chasing on what they're doing just a little more into uh, the inspiration that, that she understands um, is coming through her incredible story uh, specifically on Survivor. Um, uh, and then uh, Jesse gets to open up just about the sanctuary. And the only reason he could read the note 
from his family was because of Noel and her decision that she made to bring him along and just being thankful for that. Um, and we, we get to kind of recap a couple of things that were important in this episode. Um, before we move into, let's talk about a bit of what's going on here. And uh, Gabler hints multiple times that I think I know what's happening here, um, but you hope you're not being fooled or being, um, uh, or being kind of tricked or played. And that's where the idea of the silencer versus the rocket launcher comes in. And um, you get, you get that exact visual that they give us of everyone is kind of plotting their move, being quiet out here. They're making big moves and they're setting things up. But if you try to throw, they use the visual, you try to throw a bomb somewhere, it might just, that might, might make a move there. And Gabler did that once with the bomb on the Ellie vote, but eventually that can come back to hurt you if you do it in the wrong way. It hasn't with Gabler, but it could in another situation come back to hurt you or create a messy situation versus no, I've got you right in my sights, exactly what I want to do. Boom, done, gone, clean, move on. And that's how this season is being played. So we don't always see or hear these big conflict moments. That, well, and Gabler, uh, he also said he was going to do this, right? Like he did his big move. And then he said he was going to turn into the alligator and wait until the right moment. So he's doing what he said. He wanted to, he's, he had his big move with Ellie and now it's waiting, waiting. And I'm going to make another big move, but it's just when, but I, Cody had a great uh, conversation just about how strategy, strategy changes person by person minute by minute, hour by hour. And the conversation that I have with you at hour 12 and hour 14 could be very different. The words might be the same. And once again, Cody's using his sales history about looking at the body language. Your words sound the same, but now your body language is doing something different. Your eye contact's not there. Your shoulders, you're more uncomfortable with the way you're saying it. Like, um, I thought that was very wise of him to realize. And he's probably thinking, my conversation with Jesse is saying the exact same. So I feel confident with him. However, did you guys pick up on Jesse's tell? He has a tell when he lies. Did you figure it out? No. Nope. He, he licks his lips and then two fingers will rub it off. He did it all the time whenever he was lying. Go back and watch. And I could be really wrong, but watch him lick his lips and wipe it off huh. and it's always when he's talking to someone about a blind side or not being trustworthy interesting that's where you need a good friend like you guys to call me out before i go on and teach me what are you, what's your tell i think who do we do that with here on the podcast jordan uh we did a, oh. a test run of lying i think it was lynette as well yeah it was yeah, i think it was just trying to determine like, can you see? And she picked it up in me as a teacher. She said, I could see your eyes moving as you said the lie. So get your friends to tell you before what your tell is and then practice telling lies or practice using that tell when you're not lying. But you got to be able to, because you're right, some people like yourself, London, Steve, are perceptive and might pick up on that. And then when you have those conversations, like, oh, that's different. Mm -hmm. The words you're saying are the same, but you're doing something now. I don't know if I can trust this. And Owen said, trust rises to the top, right? So you want to be able to trust everyone. That's the currency. That's the, I guess, the slogan for the year. 
Did you guys explain? This is something that I don't think the show can ever fully convey. What is that feeling like? Not just a physical tell, but even the vibe of talking to someone being like, oh, this is not, something's different right now. But you guys, even in Survivor at home, did you ever feel that? Like, were there, was there a time where you could be in a conversation with someone on this micro scale of a game and say, I, I, I think they're lying to me right now. Did you experience that? Um, I didn't have that in Survivor at home, but I did call someone out. We talked about Cal Survivor a bit when I played that. I did call someone out on just not telling me kind of everything that was going on. And they said, yeah, I am. And then they voted me out an hour later because they did not, they were not telling me everything that was going on. And I had called that out and it would have been better. To but work you knew together. that's my point. You could tell I, something I was off. I could tell. I, I felt something was off. I wasn't a hundred percent convinced of it, but there was something that wasn't fully there that had been there in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You could feel that a little bit. And how do you just confront that? And, and that's actually something I think I'm learning myself is how do you confront if something has changed or if there's just a hidden something in the background like uh conflict wise or whatever that needs to be addressed how do you kind of call that out but to the flip side look at the Lindsay. she felt awkward at one point too right like something's very different now no one's talking to me now everyone's taking long talking to each other that whole paranoia stepped in right so there's always that am i am i overthinking things like Mm-hmm. Or is that like are they, is that a tell like Jesse's licked his lips and whatever, but maybe he's doing it just to bug me and to throw me off, right? There's <laughs> always the the game within the game, and there's so much to go on, and I of course never being there, don't even like know what to expect. Like our survivor at home is a great example of it, but it's so small. Like I hope that I hope I can trust them. Like I think what they're saying is true, and. But it's hard, right? Yeah, that's very interesting. As we move through, this is where Sammy gets to talk about the snipers, not uh, snipers and silencers instead of bombs. Um, it's precision. It's not about show necessarily, but it's all about being precise and not loud. Don't let people know what's going on. Don't let anyone know that they're going to get hit. And really, most votes have been blindsides. There's not been much where Noel didn't see this coming. James didn't see it coming. Ryan, I don't think, really saw it coming. Um, Ellie knew about it. Janine was blindsided. Um, like vote after vote after vote here is a blindside. You don't know that it's coming. Everyone, we, the conversation early in the season, what percentage out of 10, how confident are you? Everyone says nine or 10. Oh, not everyone can be confident because someone's going out, um, in that situation. So the confidence levels have been high. Meanwhile, blindside after blindside after blindside because they're being precise about what they're doing and calculated about how this is going, as opposed to what some of us look for, which is the conflict and the high drama. And the winner of this season is not going to be Tony Vlachos 2.0. It is going to be someone quieter making these moves. Not even a Ben. We talked about Ben a bit in this episode. It's not going to be Ben. Ben won everything, played these idols in flashy ways, saved himself a bunch of times. That's not a consistent way to win survivor at this point. You mm-hmm. have to make these precise moves, calculated moves. And we saw that the players that were making big moves in 41 and 42, Drea, Omar, Shan, Ricard, none of them really came that close to final three. They were voted out at five or, or earlier. And with that, let's move into the vote. Um, advantages. There were none played. Uh, we've been set up to think that there's a shot that Carla goes out. Most likely it's Noel. 
um, uh, there was a little moment where we got an idea that Jesse and Cody were targets, but there was no, we were given no path on how that could happen. Uh, but going into the vote, those are kind of some options. Carla, first vote, Carla, second vote, Noel, third vote, Sammy, fourth vote, Carla, fifth vote, Noel, and then it's Noel, Noel, and the last vote doesn't get read, but it was for Noel as well. The little kind of sad moment. I think Noel overall is liked uh, by everyone for the story that we saw. There's been back and forth on her strategic play. I think this episode really showed us that her strategic play was there and the players respected what she was doing throughout, especially with the references of you, you give her a big blow and she just keeps coming back. Like mm-hmm. you, you take out her number one ally and she comes back with a new number one ally. And then that one goes and she has a new number one ally and she, she comes back stronger each and every time. And finally it was, okay, maybe we don't get rid of her number one ally, but it becomes her this time around and see how we can make that work. Um, and a hero goes out. Any Anyone else disappointed? Jeff Probst gave us nothing at the end. Just grab your torches, head back to camp. I thought the same thing, man. I thought that could have been a time where he, again, especially if he's overstepped while she's in the game, why not when she's out of the game? Just, just to acknowledge, say, wow, that was, what a game she had. Like, I don't think we've ever seen Probst say something like that, but that would have been a time it was appropriate. Just call it out for everyone. Yeah. Guys, that was, what a player, eh? What a player, what inspiration. She had multiple, multiple of these crazy inspiring moments where everyone in the game was emotional over it. And everyone watching on TV now is emotional through it as well. She had those moments too, a couple of them through challenges and some really good strategic moments as well. She came to play. Uh, Noel was fantastic. We get nothing from him. But then there was a little bit of validating moment in her confessional at the end. She is the first above the knee amputee. So we have seen previously, there was been, there's been conversations specifically throughout the exclusive survivor at home Facebook group about being the first amputee. Well, she wasn't, but she is the first above the knee amputee. And I think that did play uh, a role, or we definitely know it played a role in her game as well. But I felt there was a little bit of validation of, of being the first above the knee amputee. Absolutely. Uh, London, Steve, Thank you for being on the show tonight and breaking Thank it you. down. I know that you are uh, a big fan of Survivor and Survivor at Home, and I hope that you'll consider applying to the upcoming season, January 27th and 28th. But anything else that you have, uh, any hot takes to leave the audience well, with? First, I just want to say thank you. And this is my third time on the podcast, and normally I'm on like episode three. So I can usually tell you my pick right off the bat, um so episode one i called andrew i said my winner pick is cody and my dark horse was carla so i'm not just saying it because they're still in i called andrew right at the very very beginning i think they have a good chance of getting there um hopefully both but i really enjoy this this season i would love to see some of these these characters back and it's always fun I really enjoy coming on here and talking uh, Survivor. I'm glad I finally started watching and got into the community and just meeting Jordan. Haven't met you in real life. I uh, saw the picture of you guys with Alex and Kel. Had a little water work that I wasn't there for that, but I'm glad that um, this community is bringing people together still. It's not just a one and done thing. It's an ongoing thing and in inviting people in. So it's very... I'm privileged to be in 
the community and glad that I have a chance to be a part of this. And January 27th, the 15 other people with me are going to have a great time at Survivor at Home Season 5. So let's go. Let's go. Survivor at Home Season 5. Find us on Twitter We love and Instagram. We love to engage with everyone. Uh, on Instagram, are we at Survivor underscore at underscore home? Is that correct? We got to get this changed because every time I hear you say that, and it's my fault because I made it that, it is so confusing. But it's Survivor <laughs> underscore at underscore home. But if you just search Survivor at home on You'll Instagram, the better way is just to go right to the website as well, Survivor at home.com that's where you can find information about the podcast upcoming season lots of other exciting information and those cameo videos from past real survivor players fantastic we are looking forward to it we will be back next week with another episode we'll get to document the final seven in action with survivor 43 talk to you everyone next week <laughs>